Great. How about yourself? I'm trying to stay warm. Awesome. Yeah, I, I don't understand the weather here in Illinois. I mean, it was like, what, 70 degrees a few, like a week or so ago, two weeks ago? Yeah, no, freezing my ass off. <laughs> I, I know, I can't deal with this shit. I got I to gotta move. I got to move to Florida or something right now. Yeah. It was, um, I was up in uh, Winnetka and Highland Park yesterday. So that's a little north of me. And it was um, snowing pretty uh, heavily for a short time there. It, yeah, it really was. I was in my office in Schaumburg, and I, I couldn't believe it. I look outside, and I'm like, it looks like a blizzard. Yeah. yeah <laughs> just all blown around and everything. <laughs> I got to leave, guys. I got to go home. Uh, I don't want to drive in the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love the nice little blanket on the uh on the windshield and whatnot but it was all right I yeah, got then, okay. yeah now now it's supposed to be in the 40s next week so it's like you know hey typical chicago weather by christmas it'll be 85 <laughs> <laughs> so, so we got yeah. the asshole today and he's got his own youtube channel he's been really busy with uh what, what he's been doing politics uh, campaign videos a lot lately i've noticed and so yeah. um yeah, I've been curating uh, board meeting videos from around the country in the U.S. here, and uh, specifically school board meeting videos. So those have been really popular. It um, exploded my channel. I think like 90% of the subscribers now are all because of the board meeting videos I've been posting. I've seen a couple of those things, and it's astounding that the conversations that parents are bringing up to these school board meetings, I, I, I never thought I would actually have to, to see a parent go up there and start saying like, you're talking about sexual acts in books that you're teaching to like third graders. I, I just don't even, can't even comprehend a common sense that that was allowed to begin with. Yeah, it wouldn't have been allowed 20 years ago, maybe not even 15 years ago. It started creeping into the uh, school system back then. Um, but yeah, now it's just ridiculous with, uh, the, the parents having to verbalize their, uh, concerns and they have to be graphic about it. It's almost like a humiliation ritual, but, um, as long as they're getting some of these boards to change their policies and, uh, move these books around, cause I'm not for banning books, but if the book's not appropriate age-wise, you have to move it into the appropriate age bracket. And then that's the bottom line. That's what I say. <laughs> well, where do you think this all stemmed from? Like, why do you think they, I guess, started to allow this within, say, like the last 15 years, like you said? Uh, really? <laughs> you want the long <laughs> answer or short answer? However you want to present it, man. <laughs> I'll, I'll start with a short answer first. Um, I, I really think um, this current education system is built to not produce individuals. And one way of doing that is to take away people's identities. And um, this homogenization of 
male and female and uh, flip-flopping, crisscrossing, and the duality of it for some people, it's, um, it's completely taken over people's personal identity is their sexuality. And it never was like, from what I remember. Me neither. And it's, it's incredible to see um, people walk up to a microphone and then announce what their pronouns are. Like that's something that just started happening. I want to say two or three years, but (laughs) it was not a thing prior. Well, Last year's when I started noticing it with um, I, people do saying it in public meetings. Well, I was going to say, didn't Kamala Harris just recently do some speech somewhere over the summer where she did the same thing? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, because it, they're, uh, I don't know how to explain it, man. Kamala Harris is a, um, in so few words, a puppet. So she's not really representing herself. It goes back to the personal identity thing. She's Mm -hmm. just a cog in the machine that is national politics. And the same thing goes with uh, Mr. Joe and Mr. T. Yep. And I'm just I, saying, I don't know how, how much you'll have to actually censor this since it's a podcast, but uh, YouTube doesn't like certain words said, so they've conditioned me into speaking shorthand. And I think it, it's kind of just disheartening, you know, to hear that. And I, and I, I, I watch a lot of videos, you know, uh, I watch Mark Dice all the time every morning. Great guy. If you haven't seen him, check him out. Yeah. And it's stuff like this that you hear. It's like you have to censor the way you say things because it's either going to hurt somebody's feelings, go against community guidelines, which are ever changing that nobody can keep up with in a point of like, OK, where does the free speech come into what you could say? I mean, you're not you're not physically harming somebody. So it's like, why do we have this line in the sand where it's like you have to be a good boy to be able to do this? But yeah, not other people, there's definitely a trend where you're not supposed to be mean to anybody and well wait a minute not even just for being the sake of like being um open and honest but yeah go ahead well i was gonna say is it okay for some but not all because i've seen certain people you know political spheres that act any way they want to and there seems to be not any repercussion oh yeah i'm seeing that too here locally where um no it's just accusation after accusation these people think that they're perfected individuals that's that's the other thing they think they're special individuals which in most cases i would argue yeah you should be a special individual mm-hmm. but then there's the high maintenance people that um just think they can say and slander whatever they want about anybody and if they're proven wrong they just move on to the next thing and there's no that's that's the other thing there's no repercussions so that's um pretty concerning to me i'd have to agree because i i went to catholic school 
I know how to behave myself, but I also know when to um, give people peace of my mind. And there's a time and place for everything. And I think those boundaries are slowly eroding to the point where we have um, <laughs> we have people saying F you to the board members in a public meeting. Like that shouldn't <laughs> even happen. <laughs> but yeah, here we are. And do you think it's just got to the heated point where, you know, the casual, say, at the board meeting, so someone casual walks up and says something, you know, in the past, say, hey, I'm going to say what's on my mind. I'm going to sit down and listen to your rebuttal, where you feel that over time it has gotten nowhere, that now these people just have to stand up there and just yell at the obscenities and middle fingers and I'm just missing the two beer cans slamming together and a guy just, you know, like a stone cold thing. But um, do you think it's, it has to get to this point for them to listen? Uh, I don't know. What, what will it take for um, people to respond to authority appropriately? I guess this is a better question. I don't want to see it like, boil over where everybody's just at each other's throats because we should be able to have dialogue with people we disagree with mm-hmm. and the point when the dialogue ends that's that's when uh it gets physically violent that's how wars start i mean it's you use your language as much as you possibly can to communicate your point of view. And these some of these people are just not going to um, comprehend it or want to uh, take it in. And somebody has to tell the other people that are being very obscene or even allowing obscene materials and... Um, in inappropriate places in the libraries, whether it be school or actual public library, these Which, people need to be put in their place. And I think that's where it, where it's going to be heading soon is these people getting a verbal licking. But I would rather it be done professionally where there's no swearing. The facts are laid out. And most of the time when I give public comment at the Village Hall, I have everybody listening. So they want, I mean, even the current mayor, after I slammed him one with a letter he sent out to all the um, residents trying to um, badmouth one of our residents here that did referendums, um, (laughs) he was trying to lump me into that group too in that letter, but he didn't name me, but I called him out on it. And I I told him like, you're supporting a communist organization. They're openly communist. And you're taking sides with these guys, the ones that were giving the police a hard time. And the police are part of our village. Um, uh, the, The village government. So the police and the municipality kind of, they're, Interfunded. Okay. Do you want to share like what town this is, and I mean it's up to you if you want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So Niles, Illinois. <clears throat> okay. It's a suburb um, on the south, or no, on the northern border of Chicago. <laughs> I'm glad it's not on the southern border. <laughs> I was like, where are you going with that? <laughs> uh, Chicago, okay. south of us. So we're, okay. we're sitting right on the top there. Now, just yeah. so that the listeners know, so you're very much within your community. You work a lot in the Niles area community-wise. You've actually you've been in or tried to be in within politics, if, if my memory serves me correct. Yeah. Um, in 2014, like late 2014, I started getting involved um, just because we had um, – some severe flooding problems that never occurred before. We had a lot of residents that had their basements fill up with water and, and all that. But uh, I was trying to get to the bottom of it and I was finding errors here and there. I was th- seeing things that were not quite right. And um, I wanted to go voice my opinion about that. And um uh, over time, I ended up bringing a bunch of my community over there. So, like, I walked up and down the, the blocks and put flyers in people's doors saying, show up to this next meeting so that you can share your story about flooding in the area. And um, <laughs> filled the place to capacity, and nobody knew who sent this anonymous letter to attend. <laughs> and yeah. so I had to raise my hand and say, yeah, it was me. And then the mayor's like, all right, well, we need you to read it into the record or I'll read it into the record. And I'm like, no, okay, I'll I'll do it. I don't want the mayor to do it because I want my inflection on what I'm saying. But, uh, yeah, so I got involved that way, and then uh, I kind of let it simmer down from, like, 2015 to 2017. 2017, um, I threw my hat in the race to run for mayor, and um, I didn't have a slate, meaning three trustees usually run with a mayor, and they're all part of a, a nonpartisan party that's made up shortly before the election, and it's pretty much killed off after the election. But they don't want um, a, like any. They don't allow Republicans or Democrats to run as such. So. You can have like a Democrat block, but they're called the New Niles Party, for example. Like that's how they'd present themselves. But uh, since I didn't have a slate and I wasn't receiving <laughs> campaign contributions because I kind of went into this in the dark, I ended up um, running as an independent. And I think that. Uh, spoke to a lot of the residents too that normally are shy about what how they vote and um yeah i just found a lot in relation with the community that i didn't think was all that was like all together but it seemed like everybody had a general consensus like yeah like we need to do things better we need more people newer people involved in politics instead of the same old people for the past 40 odd years. Right. So, I mean, every once in a while you get a, 
like a new person here and there. But uh, yeah, then last year <laughs> in 21, um, there was a library candidate uh, candidacy race for um, for Niles, and the, Niles has their own library district, which is separate from the municipality. So the mayor has no say on what goes on or how funds are spent in the library. Um, I know in Waukegan, further up north, their library and the library board is appointed by the mayor, but we have elections in Niles, which I'm in favor of. And um, it's funny that the, the one guy um, that was doing the referendums for Niles to get term limits and whatnot, he tried to do that in 2020 for the library and the library director refused to turn it into Cook County to the clerk's office saying that uh, there's no grounds for a referendum to appear on the ballot. So in effect, they tabled term limits. And here I thought it would make them look really bad. But um, when you have three newspapers and they're all heavily weighted left, they um they tend to make up their own stories so they try to make it like the um the guy asking for term limits is a crackpot they've called him all sorts of names but uh this dude <laughs> uh joe makula he's what i guess you'd say uh, is an everyday political activist where he goes around and he's always collecting signatures for something. And um, the, the guy's in his 70s, but he he's up in the morning, he's out and about walking all day, getting stuff done. And uh, I mean, he's inspired me to, to keep on pushing against um, the local politics here. And um, yeah, I guess just to wrap the, this part up is, uh, Last year was also when national politics got introduced to local politics, where instead of us talking about our local issues, they started labeling everybody as either Trump remnants or <laughs> neoliberal extremists, which they are trying to, to label conservatives as that. So they're not really thinking about how, what, or how they're labeling people, but they're doing it to shame others. And um, yeah, their ultimate goal is they want us to shut up. They don't. They don't want another side um, speaking out against things that they're doing or how they're behaving. And that's the main thing I've been focusing on. Uh, this year is putting a spotlight on the behavior of this library board. Cause I, I've seen a few of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's split where there's three trustees sitting on the left side and they're politically left too, ironically. And then the three on the right are 
more conservative leaning. And um, well, the three on the left are screaming and shouting and talking over the president and challenging every little thing, picky. And you you think about it, name it, they've probably complained about it. But it's not even, I wouldn't even call it complaining. It's straight up um, temper tantrums. Wow. It's like they cannot control themselves. They must argue. They must be right. They must point out errors that we've made. And they're perfect in their minds. And I think that's also a sore spot is um, for them is being called out as not perfect. So, so, so pay attention so, to that going uh, forward into the next year because I think that's going to become a, a, a more prevalent topic of the, the virtuous. How dare you call the virtuous flawed? We have virtue for everybody and everything and everyone. But, it, I mean, it's all a front because these, peop these people say hate has no home here. And here they're hating on people who disagree with them politically. And they try to destroy their businesses and um, terrorize them in their house. Going messages on their, their front sidewalk. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, what is it, the old thing? It's uh, like the, the old thing about the communist, you know, accuse your your enemy of the things you're guilty of. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, there's no hate here, but you're outside writing hate on a sidewalk. Yeah. <laughs> the irony there is just unbelievable. And and you're right, though, going back to what you're saying about the, uh, the let's say, okay, temper tantrum. It just seems like when I see these, these videos or see these political activists or whatever you want to call them, that's their whole dialogue. It's screamed from the top of a mountaintop that they're so perfect. And it's just like you think that the other side just kind of gets sick and tired of hearing, like dealing with a toddler throwing a tantrum at a store. It's eventually you just put them in a corner and you leave them there. Yeah. <laughs> no I've gone, gone to the grocery store <laughs> and I've heard kids screaming down entire aisles and then the parents cross over the next aisle and the kids continue screaming all the way down the next aisle mm -hmm. and uh, that that's a a parenting issue <laughs> yeah but uh, well well remember you can't you know you can't slap your kid or spank them anymore like you once did i mean i did <laughs> i got you know i remember getting swatted well, we're, we're uh, we're such a diverse community here. I'm yeah. sure I'm sure some of um, our residents do that at home still. Oh, and I'm sorry. And I mean, probably in public too, but not as, um, it's not as focused on, I guess. No, I'd agree or, there. Or they, they pull them around the corner and just give them one slap and then they shut up. Yeah. I can and, see it's, that. and it's a it comes back to the behavior thing. It's like all these people you see screaming about equality and and um, gender rights and all of that. <laughs> They're the generation that their parents were told not to hit them. 
Mm-hmm. And so now they they got a smart ass mouth, as uh, my grandfather would say, <laughs> <laughs> where they just speak back, thinking it's okay, and now they're adults, and they're doing it to other adults. Well, they've never been told no. That's the issue. Yeah. You know, then, they've never been checked. Then there's also the the good young adults who are respectful and have been put through all of this BS the past two years with being told that, like, if they don't get jabbed, then they can't go to school. And if they can't, if they don't wear a mask, they can't go to school. I've even heard that some of these students needed to be jabbed in order to go to their online Zoom classes. Talk about shit not making sense anymore. There was a lot of stuff back then that didn't make sense. And the, and the crazy part was that if you even question the stuff that just did make sense, <laughs> it oh. was... People ate it up. Mm-hmm. I was I was uh, timing that mask mandatory, whatever the fuck that JB Pritzker did, our governor. Yeah, we'll he talk. Ate, we'll talk he, local politics soon. Yeah, he he, he ended up doing um, the mask order in I think May of 2020. It's somewhere near. Uh, yeah, in March is when he did the lockdown. So two months after the lockdown, you require masks all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Give me a break. I was given a piece of paper because at the time I was doing gas meter work uh, for a subcontractor for NICOR. They gave us slips of paper to keep in our cabs that said we are essential workers and we're allowed to be on the road. Now, thankfully, I wasn't pulled over by any police at the time. But it was there for if we happened to be on the road and the police were enforcing this lockdown, if you didn't have this paper, what are they going to do? Arrest people? And I think the lockdowns are going to come back again in the next two years before the presidential election. And we just got to push against it as hard as possible because we just laid down at this last one two years ago. It can't happen again. Well, I it think with a lot so of many businesses, oh, right. And, I, and that's what I was going to go with. It was, there's a lot of stuff coming out about this where what we know today versus what was happening two years ago. is very contradicting to the things that let's say government or politicians were saying or doing then. that today with the news, it's like, well, wait a minute. Well, you didn't need to do all that. You didn't need this. And the science is backing it up now. You know, so-called science that's ever evolving, apparently. Yeah. And I agree with you. Like, if we get to a situation like that, we cannot go through that again. Absolutely not. I won't even humor the idea of wearing a, a bandana over my face. Well, they knew it wouldn't work. I mean, there was there was science being spoken about then. They're talking droplets, and you had Fauci on there talking about, like, well, the smallest, and he's talking to the numbers, and it's like, yeah, but you're talking about those perfectly designed filtration masks. Okay, putting a cloth sheet over your face, like most of the general public was wearing, wasn't going to stop anything. 
Yeah, so those blue masks, Mm -hmm. those were supposed, prior to 2020, those masks were worn by surgeons that were standing over somebody with their body cavity cut open and their flesh all splaying out. Right. And what was the purpose of those masks? So that their spittle from themselves don't get into the patient while they're operating. <laughs> That's it. Mm-hmm. Was it to prevent diseases or illness? Although in some sense, I guess you can say the spit going into a, an open wound on a surgery. Yeah, yeah, that could infect something if the surgeon right, has a but sterilization. It was for you know te- yeah, te- and temporary too. If you touch yeah. that mask, then it's contaminated. Mm-hmm. So all these people putting the the things on the ears and then they go and adjust it over their nose. It's done already, dude. Like you got to throw that one away. <laughs> right. And, and the ones that really got me were the people with the shield. Oh, yeah. and, and I'm thinking, does this not, I mean, you're not encased in like a, you know, a diving helmet. You would okay. have thought all these people became welders overnight. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what it reminded me of is a, a so it was. I mean, you're cutting steel. Sure, I'll wear that when I'm in the garage doing some, you know, car work or something. But I'm thinking to stop an airborne illness. Are you? What the hell is this going to do? Yeah. It doesn't know how to move around the sides. It's only a front. You know, I, there was so many things that were happening back then that just literally made no sense. Oh, and they completely abandoned the deaf community. I, I heard this on the radio yesterday, and I, I agree with this that. Um, people who are deaf were severely impacted by people wearing masks because they couldn't read people's lips. Uh And that's a main source of how they communicate. So if you're looking at screens on Zoom and you can't hear anything and there's no sign uh, language interpreter and everybody's masked up, you're not going to know what's going on. And then those kids fall behind. Well, and here, special needs kids too, obviously. But I agree, and I think specifically speaking with kids, now there there has been an influx this year with flu and RSV, and especially in kids. So and what's RSV? Respiratory oh, okay. something virus. It, so yeah, basically, yeah. kind of like a flu. Think of it as a virus. It, it mostly would attack uh, younger kids, older people. Same like the flu. So. But now they're saying an uptick in kids. It, it, it's a really bad season, right? And the way that I'm seeing the media talk about it is a sense of like, oh, it's, it's really bad right now. And it, it's just there. Do you not think that when you isolated kids for two years, wearing masks, keeping them home from school, out of the general public, that, and we all went through this, you develop an immunity to the world around you, okay? Mm-hmm. We all... Were there. I remember times where I was constantly getting strep throat, constantly being sick. Okay. I'm 41. I don't get strep anymore. Why? I built the tolerance to it over time. Yeah. Now these kids are sick every other week. They're coming home. And now they're like, oh, why is everybody getting RSV? Why is the flu up? Because we all isolated for two years and especially kids. They wouldn't even let people cough in the stores. They'd oh, look geez. at you like, 
like you need to be quarantined immediately. Now I was I'm waiting hearing kids cough all the time in the store. I'm like, if I'm there with with family, I'm like, all right, let's get out of this aisle. Right, because you know what it is. It's they're 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 sick. You know they they bring that shit home with them <laughs> from school. You know, and and now everyone's out in the public. Yeah, and nobody um, wants. Uh, they, they need to stop blaming the kids for it because mm-hmm. <laughs> they had no choice in this. And also the narrative, the false narrative that's being painted like we need, wh- why is everybody trying to stay here on this planet if something so deadly is trying to kill us all? Right. <laughs> I know that's a little morose, but I mean, you, you think if something that deadly came around, maybe it was uh, the Earth's way. Uh, I, George Carlin made a joke about this, shaking us off like a bad case of fleas. If we if we really didn't belong here, there'd be something so fast that would wipe us out, and yeah. there'd be nothing that we can do about it. But obviously, we're adapted to be here, and <laughs> yeah, that's it true. It seems like there's more people that are suddenly dying mm-hmm. from heart complications. Yes, which was not a prevalent thing before, and it's concerning because no. it um, is concerning. It it includes now everybody who decided to take the jab but see now and I, I know people who did and i really hope that um they stay healthy and that they don't get any more boosters i i'm in the same position you are when it when it comes to that um somebody very close to me is is dealing with that but i you know again with without science being able to come back and say you know pinpointing it and let's be honest if it was, they're not going to publicly come out and admit to it. No, and there's natural remedies too mm-hmm. for people who did take the first and maybe the boosters too. But just in general, just to uh, there's natural remedies out there for the spike protein. And, right. Um, I don't know how much I believe in shedding from people who have taken the vax and then they're dead skin cells like flake off onto us and stuff. That's like some hypochondriac shit. And I feel bad for the hypochondriacs that had to deal with these past two years. Uh, I know. But but it was fear. It, to me, the media... It was all fear-based. Fear I mean, they, they went to the extremes to just, you know, you can't leave your house because if you do, you're going to die. Not yeah. that you had a higher chance of being killed in a car accident going to and from work or something. Or falling off a ladder off your house while putting Christmas lights up, you were going to step outside, catch Corona, <clears throat> and die. I mean, Joe Biden said last year, uh, what a year ago now, that we're going to have a winter of death. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. I mean, how yeah. else is that not fear mongering to the general public when the president of your country is telling you, yeah, pretty much you're all going to die? Yeah. And then what happens? March comes along. Nothing. 
all of a sudden the numbers go down and guess what guys it's it's life like it was in 2019 for the most part what how are we supposed to believe these people and and this is what i was i wanted to bring this topic to you now um we just had the midterm elections mm-hmm. all right and we we live in illinois uh which is a very democratic run state after what we all experienced in 2020 with these mandates, these constant, you know, rules and just everything that was told to us, especially in this state. And I'm sure other states out there would probably have similar issues. How the hell are the same people who stuck us in this position still in power as we talk today? Yeah. I'm, I'm just as surprised as you are. Um, there, so back again to me listening to the radio yesterday mm-hmm. um they talked about how gen z was not reached out to by the republicans and i had to think about that one and i did come to the conclusion that i don't remember any of these candidates saying they kept you out of school they made your life a living hell Mm-hmm. And these candidates need to go. They can't be in office anymore. Elect me so that you can go to school freely and you don't have to be a slave in a prison. <sighs> I don't either. I, I did not see, especially in Illinois, a, a hard-hitting position. The, that strong message needed to come out. And I think I agree. the adults were too focused on the adults. And the Gen Z votes snipped everybody in the ass. Well, I mean, that's the logical explanation. It does make logic. You're right. Now, if you want to go into um, fringe topics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Our whole state has rigged elections. Our Our state is part of New York, California, Arizona, Georgia, and Nevada that all have rigged elections and it doesn't have to be every single precinct. It just needs to be in the places where the vote count matters like cook County. Uh I mean, looking at the red, like the whole map's red. Okay. I'm looking at it right now. We have 102 counties, I believe. Yeah. 102 counties. Yeah. Something like that. The collar counties around cook. And then spotty places going further west and a little further north. And maybe down near Springfield is a little blue, too. That's all the blue you see. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, there might not be as many people down there. But when you look at the state as a whole, um, Democratic elections don't seem to be the way to go because the the super cities basically are always going to um control the vote in a way the whole rest of the state could say no we want this guy but if the main city of that state says no we want the other guy then that's the way it's going to go and it sucks we don't, and it's funny, we don't do that on a national level. We have the electoral college for that reason, so that yeah. populated states do not dictate 
election. It means that Wyoming does have a say so. And it's funny that I'm looking at the map right now with Illinois. Yeah, if you break down the Electoral College on the national level going by state, I think the same thing can be implemented on a state level for the counties. I agree. And it needs to be verbalized. I think that's the main thing that doesn't happen is we have these ideas and solutions to do things, but sometimes we just can't find the words for it. But a state electoral college would have flipped everything red pretty much besides a few of the local Cook County elections. Those would probably always stay blue. Which on a local level, it'd be okay. I mean, if that's the general consensus within that small demographic of population, that's what they want representing them locally, then fine. I mean, who who are we to argue? But as a whole, as a state, I mean, you've seen it for years, and I've seen it for years, that most people feel disenfranchised in the state of Illinois because, let's be honest, if you don't vote Democrat, your vote's worthless. Yeah, and that's another issue, too, is that... um too many Republicans and independents and undecideds, they all, a lot of them, I think, stayed home. Because I was out there um, a long time this year just doing stuff, uh, going door to door. And the reception was, I want to say, 95% positive. So the, what we saw on the ground, and this includes other people doing um, canvassing too, what they saw on the ground didn't translate into the results. And uh, yeah, election night was a punch to the gut because like every candidate we were trying to help didn't get through. And it was a huge vote split, like 80-20, 70-30 shit that I didn't think would be possible. I thought this was going to be closer to 50s, 40s types of races, which you see Arizona turned out to be, what, like 48.1? <laughs> yeah, real close, right? And, and that's what I go back to what you're saying, though. It's just something in the state of Illinois just smells. Smells of shit because none of it makes sense. I mean... Go to the governor race in this state. I remember we were we were somewhat talking on election night, and yeah. I sent to you, how the hell is the governor race in Illinois already decided from the Associated Press at, what, 7.04 when the polls closed four minutes before? Yeah, that's the media not being transparent, too, because um, just... I had to be explained this as well, that okay. it's um, exit polling. But I didn't see anybody doing that shit around here. So they probably were doing it downtown, waiting for people once they were done and they let, leave the precinct. They had people there taking um, notes if people wanted to talk to them. It's like, well, who'd you vote for? What'd you decide? Are you comfortable sharing with us? And a lot of them were saying they voted Democrat. And who knows if they're just saying that to the press to leave them alone. That's another thing. I thought we had a silent majority, which in most cases, especially with the local elections, it is a silent majority. The people who support 
the conservatives in the town, they don't show up to the meetings every month and they shouldn't have to because most of the time it's people complaining, but, um, yeah, like it comes back to the good old fear thing there's nothing good about it, but fear motivates the liberals to come out in packs and they're organized. And if you talk about the, the Chicago machine, the Illinois political machine, mm-hmm. it really is referring to decades upon decades of tried and true tactics even legal tactics, not all of them are legal, but they they figured it out down to a science where they're like, if we have all of these designated people to go out and do all of these things for the election season, then we're guaranteed the vote to win. And the more money they dump in, the more they pay people to do these positions instead of volunteering. Of course, the people are going to show up and, and help and do all that. And that's where I think as conservatives, we're falling behind on that. We're trying to attack all this stuff head on, but like with much fewer people. Because a lot of people have been shamed or feared or had fear pushed onto them to not talk about their politics because it's so divisive right now which it shouldn't be. I remember that. <clears throat> I remember at a time where it was, and this is kind of how I was brought up. You didn't talk politics. You didn't talk religion. Like mm-hmm. open, you know, running around. Talking about, I mean, you could talk about the confines of, you know, friends or family. Okay, fine. Yeah. But I feel like it, things have got so polarized that if if you don't want to be hassled, just keep your opinions to yourself. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that in Illinois, and do you think it's just a weak Republican representation in the state of Illinois that's just not seeing the bigger picture of why they're falling behind? Or do you think that, and I, and, and this strikes the home cause you'll, you'll get this. Or do you think it's because everyone just got sick and tired of everything in Illinois? All the smart ones just left. So all the ones that are left here are basically a very small minority of people who would, you know, not be Democrats. And all the ones that are going to stay are the ones who love it here. It's a mixed bag. Um, We did have a lot of people leave that were hardcore conservatives. Um, We we also had politicians leave. So there was, um, I think he was a state rep, Alan Skillicorn. He moved, I think, to Arizona, and he ran for office over there. I think he won. But, uh, yeah, we're losing key people who were like the glue holding some of these uh, rallies together. And um, so it's like people who still want to be involved in politics, they, it's sad to say a lot of them are starting from scratch or from nothing with no support base. They have to build it up organically. And, um, a lot of these organizations and uh, like township committees that are for Republican or Democrat. Well, the Republican ones here are very picky about who they want to back. They, 
because they're concerned about their image. So they're they're really um, not helpful at all. And um, I think some of them are self-sabotaging our, our whole um, election process by not putting people up in the primaries. Um, we had a whole bunch of judges that were up for like retention. Like, mm-hmm. do you want to keep them? Yes or no? All Democrat, all Democrat judges. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be like that across the board. But I did notice it. that in Kane. So in Kane, we had the same thing. Oh, it, yeah. Could have all. It felt like it was seventy-five percent of the ballot. It was just all the judges. <laughs> yeah, and it was funny because in Kane, they didn't even tell you which party they were in. No. You know, you had to know. Uh, so it's kind of deceitful, you know, in a sense of like, you're going to say yes or no to somebody. You don't even know where they're at. Yeah. There was just one judge that I knew by name that I was told, um, this is a person that's, um, been on our side with rulings and stuff and the vote yes to keep them. Mm-hmm. But everybody else I voted no. And that's how I voted in the past because I don't know any of these people. Right. And based on what we've seen with um, justice or the the lack of justice, that's why I vote no for these judges because they're not doing their jobs either. And they don't even have to do anything. So this was another thing I noticed with this uh, election cycle is I didn't see any Governor J.B. Pritzker signs. I saw I saw a few from what like 2018 that has like that white square on it and it's blue. Mm-hmm. That's the I've I saw like one in a meme in front of a house that had windows boarded up with plywood. <laughs> and I'm like, from that summer of love two years ago, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's uh oh man. He is not. I. I. He is. He is. He's a huge embarrassment to the state. I is utterly disgusted that he's he's back in there. I mean, here's a man. If most people don't realize this, you know, people listening aren't from Illinois or the general area. This is a man who escaped while he was telling his citizens to stay indoors. You know, essentials can go out. Leaving to go to Harsh Farm in Florida and we're going up to Lake Geneva in Wisconsin. Yep. And he'd do it right after press conferences too. Oh yeah. In Chicago. I don't I don't remember him ever being in Springfield. No. Yeah. <laughs> he went to McCormick Place and they got all those beds for people. Mm-hmm. They said they were gonna treat tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people almost. And I think the final number was like two digits. Yeah, and then he was. I, I want to say I want to say it was twenty-seven people that they treated at McCormick Place that has the auto show. So this is a which big is venue. a big place, right? If no one's ever been there, it is a big venue. I've been there for the auto show. <laughs> it makes uh, the Rosemont Convention Center look like a daycare. Yeah, it's and that and the good day. Rosemont Convention Center is pretty big too. It's all yeah. sky 
walk connected to the hotels and everything. Yeah, it's that was a big place. And so when we knew that, you know, it's like, wow, that's really going to be a lot of people in Chicago going to get stuck in there. And then nothing took it down. Then he was called out by local leaders and he ignored that. I mean, he's really good at ignoring everything, you know, when it comes to hard questioning. The one that challenged him is the one that ran against him, which is uh, Senator Darren Bailey. Now, and he won his watch? court case. He won his court case. He got the masks mm-hmm. and mandates and lockdowns removed. I think it was mostly the lockdowns that he was challenging. It was something. Like, it was illegal lockdowns. And did did you notice the other day with him? I noticed that he, for the I think thirty sixth time, did another emergency. Yeah, it might be thirty seven. It could be. <laughs> it's, it's 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 astronomical. That a guy who can only declare emergency for 30 days or something like that has now had a state of emergency for almost three years. Yeah, I have video of of, um, law graduates going on rants about how this thing should have been over in 30 days. That he only was able to use it once for this purpose. There was no reason for him to be allowed to extend it month after month after month after month after month. He just uh, and he just did. I mean, to those listening, this was just two days ago here in the state of Illinois that he signed off on this again. And then the graph shows. I mean, we're probably at what an all-time low for COVID cases, probably since this all started three years ago. And all the states around us did enter their emergencies like a year ago. So it's like, look, we talk about weird politics this is one that a lot of people don't realize that a lot of things that were being said about Pritzner maybe you know this Steve that a lot of his business dealings were benefiting from keeping us either getting the the vaccine or the testing kits or the mask it was like he had his hands in a lot of the stuff on the business side that came out of course he's going to keep us in this situation he's making money off of this which you know, and, and that doesn't even strike. This is just local Illinois politics, but look at a global scale right now. Politics across the board is ridiculous. This whole situation in Ukraine is another out of control thing. Yeah, that so most people don't realize. Glad you brought it up. So, this uh, crypto exchange called FTX just bankrupted. Over two hundred billion dollars gone. Um, 20 something million. It was revealed the, the owner of this crypto exchange donated to the Democrat party for these midterms. And, um, there's some memes going around of showing like pictures of like Biden and then Zelensky and then FTX and then the Democrat party. Mm-hmm. That that's the the flow of money, how that went. And, you know, it uh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, and it's funny as we're talking about this, I believe two years ago, three years ago, there were people talking about like money laundering similar to this going on in Ukraine. I think even Putin said something to this degree. Yeah. But I'll let you go ahead from there. Yeah. Um, if um, any of the listeners haven't taken the time to watch a Putin speech with subtitles or even a voiceover in English, I suggest you go do that. 
because um, they're not talking kindly about the U.S. And prior to um, Putin's invasion, he was calling out Ukraine as a literal government cesspool for the U.S. and how he was going back to claim it back for the people. This Zelensky guy is an actor who played the president of Ukraine a few years ago, and now he's actually the president of Ukraine. There's, there's stuff. We... <sighs> I knew he was an actor, but I didn't know it was that deep. You know that he played the president prior. At this now this point... goes back to fourteen, right? This is that that whole issue with the mini revolution of fourteen, right? Um, no, it happened after that, but I think, um, I mean, there was stuff I heard with the 2014 part that we had our own, the U S had a hand in that. The U S has had both hands in the cookie jar over there, plain and Mm -hmm. simple. And then you, you, uh, think about what president Trump said with, uh, the quid pro quo (laughs) quid pro. I can't say it. Quid I'm, pro I'm, I'm, I'm I believe. Having, yeah, I'm having a Biden moment here. Jeez. <laughs> but yeah, the, he, Biden's on video may, explaining how he blackmailed these people, saying yes. you're, you're not going to get our um, our funding if you keep this investigator on board. That we're looking into the companies that Hunter Biden was a part of. Right. And, um, yeah, now that the elections are over, it's so convenient that they just now decide to to um, start investigating Hunter Biden and possible, yep. uh, I, I've heard, possible impeachment for, for uh, Joe. It was, yes, I saw it. Late last night, some House House Republicans, I believe, came out and basically said that, yeah, that's what they're going to look at. They're going to look at the in, Biden family. In international child trafficking, too. Yeah, that's what they exactly said. How yeah. messed up is that? It's very messed up. And it's sad. I mean, it's really sad when you think about that. If this all comes out to be true, that the president of the United States had his hands in something like this. What does it just tell us? I mean, for one, you go back to what you're saying with Putin and, and read the subtitles in English. If you really don't, avoid it. If you don't, okay. I want to bring religion up into this. Go ahead. If you don't believe in God or if you are against God, Where do you draw the line of what's evil and what's good? Morality, you're saying? Yeah. I don't think these politicians, and especially the elites that aren't elected, that are also funding and controlling a lot of things, they're... um, It's almost like there's a... Uh, what's the word? Damn it. It's like an infinite loop of when you're looking um, into all of this information 
it always comes back to Satanism. Oh wow! And, and with the um, the child sacrifices, it plays right into that playbook. And um, yeah, the the singer of the band Lincoln Park, Chester Bennington, mm-hmm. and the singer of the band Audio Slave, Chris Cornell. Mm-hmm. They were both working on a documentary trying to expose the trafficking and then they both die within a few months of each other they oh wow and it had they had the same personal trainer as aaron carter who just died and and kanye west who's been trying to speak out and say that these people are drugging them trying to just keep them like a potato in a coma to not speak out. And I wouldn't be surprised if um, Britney Spears' dad was part of that too. Because oh, wow. he, he had custody of her for a long time until like just recently. So yeah, like the beginning of the year. Yeah, the, yeah. This poor girl that's like now near her 40s is doing all of this stuff or around her 40s. Just saying. Yeah, she's yeah, she's she's. I think she's my age. She's about 40, 41. Yeah. So there's this whole um, thing called MK Ultra, and it's mind control stuff, where the worst things you've heard about, like government waterboarding and mm-hmm. uh, brainwashing, that's where all of that comes into play. And I do think they do that to a lot of the people in the entertainment industry and media and um <laughs> the list is so long i don't have enough paper to write it on i guess you could say that it but i've gone into this to be something I, i'm able to talk publicly about this on youtube for the time being i have a another interview going up with tom althaus who um he's he is the creator of the script called the immortals and he claims that the Wachowski brothers and Warner brothers and Harvey Weinstein and Joel Silver have been basically stealing that, that one idea of the immortals, the script and placing it into all these different movies to, um, I don't know to antagonize him. It's it's some wild stuff, but he he has a really solid story. And uh, you look into some of this stuff, and he <laughs> these Hollywood people are connected to Ukraine. Like I didn't even have to prompt him to talk about it. He just brought it up one day, and I'm like, holy crap! Hey, for the listeners, um, tell them where they can find your uh, YouTube channel site so they can check out that interview. Yeah, so um, on YouTube, my channel name is Yissel Missile Productions, Y-I-S-S-I-L-M-I-S-S-I-L, two S's, one L, alliteration. Um, that's my channel. Uh, I put up a lot of stuff that I've shot and edited over the years, and it's become more of a... Um, a landing page for board meeting clips right now and these long form interviews <laughs> i have like a four and a half hour interview i'm still 
fixing the audio levels on before I post it. It's, it's a, very time consuming, but it's definitely worth checking out some of the stuff, especially the Tom Althaus interviews. There's yeah, check them out. I've watched some of the stuff, guys. Check out his his work. It's good. Uh, a lot of the the school board meetings. It really puts things in perspective. It's a great hub. So check that out. Um, you know, you're touching on movies here. Um, yeah. Hey, I, I just watched this movie at the end of October. So I, I could not wait for this movie. I don't know if you've watched it yet. Uh, All, All Quiet on the Western Front was put out on Netflix. Have you watched it yet? No, I haven't. Okay, so. Shamefully, I haven't. <laughs> I, I'm going to. I'm not going to take anything away from it so that I deject you from not watching it. But here, here's here's my point. I don't want to give too much away if any of the listeners have it. We could we could talk about movies after this, but everyone knows the book. It was a wildly popular book that came around in the 1920s about World War One. From the German perspective, they made two movies, 1930 and 1979, and now Netflix comes out with this what is called All Quiet and Western Front has little to do with the book at all. If you've seen the other two movies, it has so much missing that I could not connect with the main character at all. I couldn't even connect with what was happening other than this is just, this is a World War One battle movie is the best way I could tell you, Steve. Yeah. And here's, here's my point. I, I love history. I, I really wanted them to do right by this. But God, they just, they missed so much that they could have just capitalized on. And I was left feeling very dejected. Why the hell they keep doing this with movies? <laughs> um, they don't want history portrayed in movies accurately. I mean, that plain and simple. The entertainment industry is now, or it's been for a while, it's been a tool that's been used for the wrong intentions to uh, control the masses. And I, I'll, I'll say this. I've had to, the I had ending. To, okay. Yeah, go ahead. I, I was going to say the, the ending got me on a historical. That's what bothers me most about this movie. Because you can constantly beat a dead horse, which is, Germans are always treated in a bad light, right? So this is where you, I understand your, you know, the, what's the propaganda? They don't want to teach yeah. history correctly. It's like every movie, the Germans always have to be bad. I don't care what time frame it is. It could be well before World War II. They're always bad. And that's how this movie left me, and I guarantee you the general public. It's like, it's just very misleading, and it leads to what I believe you're saying. Yeah, um... It's no longer an enrichment tool or an outlet where people can um, obtain more information than they had prior going into it. Uh, It's my whole list of my favorite films I've had to restructure this year. And um, I put Mad Max to <laughs> at number one, and okay. uh, John Carpenter's They Live is number two, and I haven't finished the list. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But uh, I think though John Carpenter is one of the very extremely few directors that are still uh, somewhat genuine, or at least they were at the time when they were getting into the height of their popularity. Nolan is a no-go, sorry to say. Tarantino's a no-go. DiCaprio, Scorsese, Baz Luhrmann. Holy shit, man. It depresses me just saying that. And Spielberg, obviously, total hack. But uh, the thing with Spielberg is he he mastered what he was trying to do with the camera and storytelling. But his handlers or the people above him ended up um, hijacking that whole thing. And he went along with it, too. So they're they're all to blame. They're all in on it. <laughs> but uh, it's a very bitter pill to swallow because I have all of these scripts from these directors sitting on my bookshelf and I know yesterday I was looking at them and I'm like can I make room for something new here just take these guys down uh-huh. and um, I might end up doing that for the the scripts for some of these movies because I, I don't have space <laughs> everything's yeah maxed out but uh, yeah I'd rather have more uh, historical books uh, te- teaching books. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of textbooks from Half Price Books. Love uh, that store. Yeah, and um, a lot of old books too. Stuff that, I mean, I wouldn't trust anybody printing this stuff today. No, no. Unless, like I knew the person. It's like if I if you were releasing a book, okay, I'll buy that book. I'll. I'll read it. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'll try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the selections. While it's vast, I, I guess. Okay, so we're talking about we were talking about Netflix. Mm-hmm. There's no way anybody can sit down and watch everything that's on Netflix. There's just no time. So that's, I guess, the beauty of being picky and selective with what you want to use your time with, whether it's just to relax or entertainment. And uh, also research, I guess. But uh, everything's been so oversaturated. We have the media in our face every day. Smartphones don't help. Uh, Personal computers don't help. Um the stuff that was meant to bring us closer together has pushed us further apart. And, uh, yeah, the social media is not reflecting reality. So everything's like it's agenda driven. Yeah, 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 yeah. Keep in mind here, a lot of these politicians that ran this year had tens of millions of dollars that they spent in their campaigns. We're almost talking close to a trillion spent on elections. 
if you start adding everything up, it's more than billions. It's more than tens of billions. There's a shit ton of money that was given to these networks for airtime, for commercials, whether it's on TV, on the radio, where you can reach a lot of people on the radio because everybody drives and radios are still in cars. uh, Excuse me. And uh, social media with the phones and everything. Uh, When you're scrolling, there's ads. There's ads everywhere on a lot of these sites. So that's where they spent their money is um, just plastering their message everywhere they can. It was more of um, the repetition of it that I think... I think uh, fooled everybody. That's what it feels like. Yeah, like I'm disappointed in how people in Illinois voted. But at the same time, is it really reflective of the um, the physical vote? We I don't know if we're ever going to find that out. Like. All we need is one of these voting machines to be proven that it can be modified. It's happened before. There's videos of court hearings where people have been on the stand saying that, yes, this uh, this machine can be hacked doing this, this, and this. And it can produce results that you want just punching the numbers, and it will do it. And it was hard for me to believe like what 10 15 years ago now i'm like yeah of course of course it's like that but that's why i think the only way we can get things back in the right direction is going back to paper ballots just hand counting everything yeah feeding it through a, a machine to just detect the tabs and all of that no just have a bunch of people sitting there looking through everything and these people cannot just be someone who volunteers and be like oh yeah i'll do it with no background checks or anything like everybody needs to be vetted who goes and counts these ballots well i think you need to uh, be opening like there needs to be more video cameras live live streaming video cameras at the very least showing that these people are in a room counting you don't need to see what's on the ballots i mean these yeah it's like a baby monitor (laughs) baby monitors type of thing yeah yeah just to show that they're there well it would be nice to walk over there and peek in the window you'd see them counting like that type of thing which yeah i mean look to do that i mean like go back to betting i think that in order to have this you have to have regular people like like you know us say okay i'm going to volunteer to count ballots I'm not a part of a political party. So I think that would be helpful. Where like if you have yeah. someone who's like, yeah, I am a registered Republican or I'm a registered Democrat or, or whatever. No, you can't do it. Yeah. Kind of like with um food taste testing facilities. The moment mm-hmm. you say like, Oh, yeah, I'm allergic to soy, they're like, Okay, you you're disqualified from the, the study, sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you're a Republican, oh, you're a Democrat. Sorry, you, you uh, disqualify yourself. 
right. We're not chancing this. You know, it's like we got to, we have to have honest elections. That's for sure. I mean, these guys, especially them, and it's one of the, the damnedest things that annoys me. But, you know, to preserve our democracy, our constitutional republic first people, it'd be nice to hear that. But, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, you, but when someone brings up the topic of like integrity, electrical integrity, it's, it's automatically like demonized if it's one side saying it versus the other. It's like the whole play on. I think common sense people in the middle are like, dude, both you guys, just shut the hell up. Just count these things correctly so we can move on with our lives, not be left wondering, is there shenanigans? Yeah. And like the whole week before the election, I, uh, I was anxious. I mean, I, I wanted to know which way the tide was going to turn, but I felt that it was in our favor. I was very confident <laughs> that we were going to see a lot of uh, Republicans win. And in a sense, they did. I, I wanted to bring up a number. I couldn't find it before we got on here. But Trump endorsed like, two, like 240 people, okay, that were running for mm-hmm. office. 217 of them won. So there was a red wave, if you look according to what um, Trump endorsed. And then the fact that the the House was flipped and the Senate is basically at a stalemate. It's probably going to end up 50-50 if, uh, if Georgia goes our way. Yeah. And it's a literal 50-50. 50 people, 50, 50 Democrats and 50 Republicans. Yeah, but they said that Kamala gets the tiebreaker as vice president, so it gives them the one vote advantage or something. It's something I heard. Yeah. But, you know, That's on what, that note, we, what need you're a saying, few more, we need a few more Tulsi Gabbards to, to cross the I, line. I was, I was going to get to her in a minute. <laughs> it, it's funny because, like, you know, they have an independent in the Senate in Bernie Sanders. But they all they just include him on the Democrat side. So it's like, well, wait a minute. Do you really have 50? Because he is independent. He can kind of think for himself. We we both know that's not the case, but it's just very weird that like, well, he's independent. Yeah, we're gonna put him Democrat. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you do that? Like he should be his own entity, you know? Um, but it, and that goes to what Tulsi Gabber was was saying, how the Democrat Party has completely changed does not represent what their so-called claim to be, which, you know, most people would say like, well, you know, they want to look at, you know, how they're going to help people. They've gone off the hinges and that's why she leaves the party. Like things mm-hmm. just don't make sense. The Democrat party treated Bernie like crap against Hillary and the Democrat party treated Tulsi like crap uh, two what, two years ago, two and a half years ago. Yeah. And I see a pattern there. Because um, Ron Paul, when he ran for president in 2008 and 2012. Yes, I forgot about that one. Um, I know for 2012, there was this story that I think there's validity to it. That the, um, if, I don't know, at the convention to nominate um who the party wants to be the leader of of the race the people that 
we're supposed to be voting on that. We're in a bus. And this bus kept circling the streets and never letting these people off. Really? It's very, it's a very serious thing, but it's um, it's just another one of those tactics of the machine where their purpose, they, they're so calculated in their deceit that they, they're willing to bend the rules where they just straight up keep you from being there to, uh, well, they made changes to how they vote while these mm-hmm. people were on the buses. So by the time they showed up, it's like, it's too late. They they changed the rule book before the the players entered the the uh, the field. And it's like, who's making these changes, though? I mean, it's, it's like, it almost feels like you never actually see these people. They're never like, you know, yeah. on a camera. So it's, it's the elites that... <laughs> very much like uh, Charles Schwab and what's his face? George Soros. Yeah. He's the other guy now. They're they're the ones that are presented as the leaders of this whole thing, but they're not. There's other people behind the scenes that are probably uh, more powerful than them. But they're... It's almost like a James Bond movie, if you think about it. Yes. It's like Spectre. It's like Spectre's real, guys. These are them. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, with, with the with the patterns that I saw with Ron Paul, I saw the media refusing to acknowledge that he win he won certain states and or certain debates, and even polls where he'd come in first, but they'd place him second on the graphic. But you'd see the percentage on the side was higher than the person above them. <laughs> yeah. Little little things like that. Yeah. But it's it's almost like it gets in a subliminal mind that like, oh, this guy's not a strong candidate. That's what they wanted to project. And I saw the same thing happening in I think it was like twenty fifteen when Trump announced first that he was gonna run. Yeah. I saw the same thing starting to happen with him. But the difference is he bounced back every single time. <laughs> Teflon Don. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he had a he had a way of getting himself in there, that's for sure. I mean, he he beat out established Republicans, have been there for years. And he shows up and I wonder what know. the collateral was with him. Because you know there's the oh there's dirt on some people that they're like, Oh, if you do this, we'll expose this about you. Mm-hmm. Was the worst thing they could possibly do is say he went to Epstein Island? Well, they not tried. That, not that he partook in it. He's kicked, He kicked Jeffrey Epstein out of uh, Mar-a-Lago. I read about that. Yeah, which is kind of getting pushed aside when people bring that up, though. Yeah. Yeah, they just post the picture. And they're like, well, what about this? Yeah. It's, it's just a picture. Donald but Trump it... was around everybody at one point. Right, but so was so was this guy, so was this guy, and you guys don't seem to be upset about it. I mean, it's just like, mm-hmm. get get to the point, people. Like, if you're going to make judgment on one side because it gets in your politics, you have to look at your own team. And, and I think that's a lot of the problem that we have in this country is that we're so – we love our team so much that we can't fathom the idea that they're possibly wrong. Yeah, they can't reevaluate their positions. Exactly. 
It's like I pe- mean, people visiting uh, friends in Texas that were from Illinois um, <laughs> said, oh, yeah, we we've voted Democrat our whole lives. We're going to vote Democrat this election. <laughs> Why did you leave? No, right. No logic. They take their politics with them and spread the disease in the next place they go. And then the people who stay in the same state majority of their lives, they just vote the same way all the time, not even changing their their ways, I guess. I, I've often said this. I said this two years ago with the election when people say they were going to vote for Joe because he was the lesser of two evils against Trump. And I thought to myself, if Stalin was alive today and he was a Democrat and Hitler ran as a Republican, let's say, okay, that people in this country would vote for their party. With everything they know, they would still vote for their party because they could never separate the fact that their party would be wrong. Even though there's other options. Yeah. And that there's logical math sitting in their face. 130 million dead versus 6 million dead. Right. So it's like, but you could have voted for this third candidate over here who just basically said, like, uh, too much government is not helpful. We can reduce spending here, which would allow money to come here for this. And, you know, almost like Jesus would be the third option, let's say. And they still wouldn't vote for the guy. Because they would listen to the mainstream and the two parties, they'd still vote for one of those two guys because that's what they were told to do without thinking for themselves. Yeah. And there's not even deep, like they don't go into detail anymore either with supports. So like, I've heard a lot of like, oh, President Biden is doing such a great job. He's done so much for us, but then it doesn't go any further. I don't hear what he's accomplished. And whenever he does come up, it's usually in the form of a joke because he's, uh, I don't even know if that's, that is Joe Biden up there. Sometimes he doesn't look like the one that was with Obama when he was vice president. Maybe all that, um, Botox and facelift surgery, a number on them. Well, all the you know the money that they have that the commoners don't get. I mean, yeah, that probably is. It almost seems like he's playing an act up there. I'm like, you can't tell me that. Well, his his wife and their immediate family put him up to do this. They could have told him, no, you need to stay home. You need to relax and enjoy your final years. And then um, you also have the the establishment going and trying to start an internal war between supporters of Trump and DeSantis and trying to split them down the middle. I've seen that already. It's being manufactured as we speak. Like it was thrown out there because Trump made a comment (laughs) like he does about everybody. Right. But I think he took his foot off the gas with that one. I think he read the room. And uh, hopefully it doesn't bite us in the ass like uh, the Supreme Court decision on Roe versus Wade did, because I think that was another big thing. That was one of the first things I was hearing the next day after the elections was single um, white women specifically. (laughs) I love how they're specific on these, by the way. Yeah. 
these days. So, single white women were the were the main supporters of um, abortion. Not anti-abortion, but abortion. Just the topic itself, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that was what? the reasoning for voting straight Democrat all the way down the ticket. Well, look at Illinois. I mean, Pritzner's ads in this state were all about abortion. Bailey's against abortion. I mean, it was it was every day you're bombarded with that. That was it. I mean, really, in my opinion, the election in Illinois was for or against or abortion. Nothing else. Not the high taxes, the high gas, the registration fees that have doubled, the property taxes, which are doubling, the, the wave of businesses leaving the state, the wave of people leaving the state. None of the actual issues of the state were ever debated. Yeah. Like, oh, the company Citadel leaves, headquarters of McDonald's leaves. Um, Caterpillar left. Caterpillar, yep. Um, Whoever was leasing out Water Tower Place, they left. Yep. Um, I'm not sure if Macy's left yet. The Mag Mag Mile is uh, on its way out. Yeah. It used to be walkable. Ten, yeah, 10 years ago, 2012, 2013. It was still walkable, mm-hmm. especially during the day, during the week, because I used to go downtown all the time for school at uh, Columbia College, so like State in Michigan, uh, between Roosevelt and I guess the farthest north I'd go is Ohio Street around the rock and roll mcdonald's okay so like that area i was familiar with there were no stabbings there were no shootings there were no muggings there were no carjackings in that area period now that's all i hear that's all i see i have twitter accounts that i'm following that are like chicago pd scanner type of things where they're tweeting out stuff about what's happening now you have the groups of like 20 people. They did this in the in 2020 during the summer of love, right? <clears throat> yeah. Just masses of people going in and looting stuff. But now it's I mean, on the mag mile, you you're at risk of being jumped by like 10, 20 people. And they can hop out of a car. Or they can hop into your car and kick you out of your car. Yeah. It's the Wild West down there now. Yeah, and I refuse to do any work in Chicago. I was talking with um, the reporter, William J. Kelly, who got banned from Lori Lightfoot's press conferences. He was the guy always really pressing at her. That was him? Yes, yes. Okay. So somehow, some way... She, I think she changed all of the press credentials and locked him out of getting a new one. And then refu- has the CPD as her muscle to keep this guy out of meetings. Now, I thought our First Amendment covered freedom of the press, which means you or I can walk in there without a, a press pass. Or we can make our own press pass and bring it to FedEx Kinko's and get it laminated and be like, here's my press pass. See my picture and my birth date and, not, and my company name. But I don't even think it needs to go that far. 
freedom of the press means you can go there and be the press yourself. You don't need to be representing anybody else except yourself. And you can ask whatever questions you want of these public officials, which serve you. You don't serve them. So with them trying to dictate all of these things and micromanage with press passes, not this guy's locked up. I, I asked him last night on um, online, like, have you tried going and like following her when she's in public and just constantly drill her with questions as she's like walking away from you? Cause like, that's the next step I would do is try to do that. And then just get footage of the, the police escort that she has like blocking them out and pushing them away or even arresting him. And then that would add to his case. Cause he's a, he, he made a court case of this. He's trying to sue her so that he can get his correct, uh, credentials back or updated so that he can go back in and ask more questions and she doesn't like that he he prefaces all of his questioning mm-hmm. so he gives summaries like there were 20 shootings this past weekend um one of them was a four-year-old girl shot in the head on lakeshore drive that was the thing that actually had he'd bring these things up as like a like list a list of things and each time they'd have a press conference, she'd get more and more frustrated faster with him. Like, get to your question. Enough of this. I'm going to have to ask you to leave if you don't get to your question. They tried to hold his microphone, not let him hold it himself. Like, there's some uh, shots where he's struggling with, I guess, like the press secretary or some shit. <laughs> they're fighting over the microphone. Like, they're at, it's his time to speak. And this guy wants to hold it in front of his face so he can take it away if he asks the wrong question, you know? Yeah. So he he was out there, the only, literally the only voice questioning these assholes. Besides, um, I think Amy Jacobson also was doing it. You're right, she was too. But, uh... <sighs> she's, a, she's something else down there. I mean, I haven't been to the downtown area in probably six years i have no admiration to go down there at all um no i'm not driving just, those streets anymore i just i have no desire i mean i'm i got everything i need out here there's nothing to see down there for me which is sad because you know i've you know been down there i used to go to you know cubs games it'd be nice to take my daughter or something but you don't know, forget it i'm just not Even gonna Wrigley, risk it. wrigleyville it. is not safe either now right it's like, I, forget mean, it. I, I, I do miss that. the days where uh, the street would be filled from sidewalk to sidewalk with people at night, just at, down that strip of bars by Wrigleyville. I don't think yeah. that's going to be coming back. Like, no. As fun as that was, it was also kind of uh, unsafe. <laughs> If, if you think about it, yeah, but, you know, young and people, dumb, you don't care. Yeah, the amount of people there and um, not as severe of a mental decline as it is now. <laughs> people, That's true. I, people kept to themselves. They didn't really get into fights. If they were fights, they were very isolated and people gave them space and they got taken away very quickly. Usually it was just two drunk dudes going at it or something, which, yeah. okay, fine, alcohol, you know, and you move along. Yeah, like, 
I like the socializing it. part of it, where I was talking yeah. to new people I didn't know. But beyond that, yeah, I don't miss it. There were a lot of venues that I may never film in again that I used to film bands for. Uh, Cubby Bear, which is right across from Wrigley Field. I don't think I'm ever going there again. Um, Music Box Theater. I don't think I'm ever going there again. That's in Wrigleyville, too. Uh, yeah, they required vaccination IDs at the Music Box Theater. I remember all that stuff. I wrote them an email saying, I am not renewing my membership. It happened, the renewal happened to fall around the time when they started requiring the IDs. And I told them, you've just lost a lifetime customer and I'm never coming back. And they're like, okay, thanks. Like they actually replied. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I can't believe they did. Most of them would just ignore it, right? Yeah. Almost like they wanted to get another quip in. Like, yeah, F you. See you later. Yeah, I, I didn't do any of that. I, we had we had tickets to take my daughter to Disney Nights at Rosemont, and it was the same thing. Oof. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm not feeling like I have to show my papers just to prove something to go to a venue. I mean, it's it, it the whole thing was ludicrous. And now we're supposed to just oh, let's not hold. You know, let's just bygones be bygones. And again, mm-hmm. I still don't know how we allowed the same people who caged us. It didn't have any sympathy. They're still in charge. Yeah, to then try to try to be uh, or what's the word? Trying to appeal to our emotions, be like, oh, no, let's forgive and forgive and forget. Yeah, I it, forgive it, a lot, that. but it's like the there needs to be repercussions for what has happened the past past few years. I, yeah, I, and I wouldn't even say the last two. I mean, things have progressively gotten worse. I'll be honest. In my opinion, I think things ever since Trump became president, things got worse. And it's not to me, it's not because of him. It's that there was an under just under the layer. There was this this group and they were waiting for something to just set it all off because it's just the world's been turned upside down. Or Sorry, our country's been turned upside down since yeah. that. Yeah. It hasn't come back down. The whole time candidate Trump was running and the whole time President Trump was in office, there was always something big going on around trying to bury the guy. And, yeah, the coronavirus was, I think, their last-ditch effort. Which they were working on, I think, in what 2018, 2019. There was when... mentioning in 17 about a widespread pandemic, and guys like Bill Gates were out there talking about this type of stuff in the open. Yeah, it convention. There's videos about this. So there was people out talking about some type of mega virus, you know, type pandemic flu. Like, oh, we're due for one. And now you find out that places like Boston University are sitting there and, and manipulating these viruses now. I don't know if you saw this story. I did. Yeah, that was very disturbing. So a kill, a kill rate they had 3% for coronavirus is now they've created one in lab that 
was 85% casualty. Oh. What? Stop trying to play God. You know, humans to a point need to get to a point. What makes life better for us? You know, we, we could sit there for year after year trying to fight cancer in science, right? But we're wasting time trying to build something that can kill us? I think cancer's been cured. And the medicine has been locked away. Yeah. Kind of like um, patents for the the water car engine. <laughs> I know about this very well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It got bought up and it got shelved in along with the Ark of the Covenant. They're like they're it. next they're next to each other. They're if you if you watch the end of Indiana Jones, you see it. It's right there. <laughs> <laughs> right next to it. Yeah, it was stand, Standard Oil was buying up um, like 100 years ago. They were buying up these fuel-efficient uh, engine designs. Yeah, to remove and, them from the market. Yeah, because it would have killed the oil industry because they wouldn't have needed as much. And they bought the patents and they locked it and no one's seen them in the last freaking hundreds plus years i mean i i think if i remember when i watched this this is probably even prior to world war one when they bought this stuff wow you know i just say this about our world man whatever we see is just the illusion it's oh people say it all time we live in a matrix and when people say they don't think of the movie the matrix just think that you live in something that's just not real even <laughs> this is a Every, this is definitely a rabbit hole that we could talk about for another two hours. Oh yeah, <laughs> we're the the common theme here is deception. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of uh, things that we're being that's being presented to us, but we need to have the dissemination to see basically to filter out what's bullshit and what's closest to the truth. Like, uh, for example, the oil that comes out of the ground. We were told, oh, it's from old dinosaur fossils. I'm now thinking that's the bullshit part of it. And what's closer to the truth is that the oil is a naturally occurring substance in the earth. And that's always replenishing itself. Yeah, because they, they talked about, oh, man, I'm trying to remember when I heard this. I might have been in tech school 20 years ago when they said something like, we're, we're going to run out of oil at a certain point. And I just feel well, like that's that early, early 2000s. That, that, that sure. we were going to run out of. I remember when I was playing Little League Baseball and they were uh-huh. saying that stuff back then. Yeah. Yeah, everything gets pushed down the line. And I think what they do is they just recycle things and then they sell it to the next generation. That's what it seems like. I mean, yeah. you talk about the climate change activist that's very prevalent right now. I remember hearing about when I was a kid in the late 80s and early 90s, oh, we're going to have acid rain where you're not going to be able to play outside. And that, that never happened. Yeah. And they you know, taught to, to us level. in our history books. They have right. a picture of Rome, and they talk about the acid rain on it for a page or two. 
they kept so much to say. Keep it going. It is. It's all fear mongering to me, in my opinion. And they they sell it. They sell it at an early age because it's easy to manipulate young people, and they carry this with them. That by the time you hit thirty, you've either woken up and s- said that something isn't right, or you're going to go along with it forever. Yeah. And the problem is, is if you're one of those small minority people that goes against the grain, you get pushed back. A lot of pushback. Yeah, that's that's another tactic I might use in the next year. And it seems like I'm the one that's being the most oppressed. So you could say that I'm the underdog in the rubble. And all these people asking for equality are in the majority and <laughs> Isn't it? And it's Every a reverse billboard and blimp and ad you can see. It's all supporting what they say is a marginalized um, class of people, which are it the is, but it almost seems like they're they're the majority. That well, <laughs> that's the illusion. That is, is the that... illusion, right? Just like every single person is a mixed race couple in commercials. <sighs> oh, the the whole world must be like this. <laughs> yeah, well, it's propaganda. It's fine. It's Joseph Goebbels would be very happy if this was the setup. It could be a whole bunch of purple-colored people. Yep. And <laughs> people go and walk outside their house and be like, "Where's all the purple people?" <laughs> That's almost That's... as like ridiculous as it is now. It is, and it's. Again, where this type of stuff wasn't out there. I mean, no. 10, 10 years ago, we never saw commercials like this. That was so blatantly obvious. You think it'd and be I, an all-white cast for the uh, God-forsaken remake, if it ever happens, of The Breakfast Club? No. It would be all multi-ethnic. They have to put somebody from each ethnicity in there now. It's actually... The Academy, they made a rule, I think, two years ago, that you need to have a certain percentage of ethnicity in certain um, films in order to be considered for the Oscars. Yeah, you're right. So it's like adding extra games at the end of a baseball season and more people become home run kings. It's not the same as it was before. Exactly. The prestige of it has been diminished, which I, in a way it's good because we shouldn't be idolizing all these people. No, definitely not. And, you know, when you're talking about the movies in the academies, the way they're structuring these, these type of situations, like, look, there's people out there who are going to sit there and say, like, these two are racist because of what they're talking about. No, that's that's not even what we're talking about. People need to get off that ledge because not everything in our society is is racist yeah it's a lot of times it's jokes it's it's humor to alleviate the stress in our lives it is and if people uh would have ever been a fly on a wall when i was in high school like (laughs) i'd be in now yeah especially the people i associated with different time though yeah we have to understand we we have different time that they have today I mean, 
Yeah. Look at look at the look at the movies. They have Anne Boleyn was cast as a black woman. Yeah. On the Netflix show. Now that's just at the top of my head. And I'm thinking to myself, England fourteen, fifteen hundreds. I don't know. The recasting of characters. And it, it look, I've seen people on all races have come out and said that is so ridiculous. Blacks come out and say, Anne Boleyn was white as they could be. The hell are you doing? You know, we just, I think common sense people just want a sense of like, especially historical shows. Just, who cares? Yeah, so like, they, James Bond should yeah, always be a white British guy. Dark hair. Right. Well, uh, brown eyes. I don't know if, he, if they all had brown eyes or not. Everybody were, made a big stink about Daniel Craig because he didn't share the same hair color or eye color than the other Bonds. That he's was what, what what the criticism was, and he's actually a decent Bond. I like but him, yeah. If you want to do a, a Bond-style movie, The Transporter is an excellent example with Jason Statham. Yeah. And... Um, if you want Iris Elba to play a Bond-type character, just write a new character that's Bond-like. You don't have to call him Bond. Mm-hmm. Batman, I don't think, ever been Asian. That's not been a problem with anybody. Spider-Man's been everything. I think Miles, Miles Morales was uh, in the new Ultimate line. Well, it's not new anymore. But he, he was mixed race. I think um, Hispanic and black. But it's uh, it's like the stuff's been tried. They t- they've taken established characters and they're trying to redefine them. And I, I really. Well, I was gonna. I was gonna say this before, go ahead. before you. What I was gonna say was, could you see the outcry if they? Wesley Snipes played Blade. Yeah. Okay, you imagine changing his character like Chris Hemsworth? How would people <laughs> respond to that? I mean, seriously, how would people respond to it? Or Ryan Reynolds as the Black Panther. I was going to say Ryan, but I'm like, that's <laughs> eh, kind of close considering he played Deadpool. But, yes, I, any one of those it, two would be fine. Ryan Reynolds was in Blade Trinity, too, by the way. <laughs> yes, he was. Yes, he was. <laughs> Um, there would probably be an outcry. And I don't think it would just be, I don't think it would run across racial lines. I don't think just black people would be like, what the hell? He's supposed to be a a black guy. There was a really good meme going around when um, the trailer for that live action Little Mermaid came out. (laughs) There was a meme of like a, a little black girl pointing to the TV and be like, look, look, they look just like me. And then the next uh, panel is a whole bunch of mixed-race boys pointing at a TV with Dragon Ball Z on it, and they're like, that's me. (laughs) And the guy with the crazy hair, and he's white. The thing is, the characters were relatable, where people watching could see themselves as those characters, whether or not they looked like them or not. It was never an issue before. And I still don't think it's an issue. It's a it's artificially created 
drama to um i don't know why why hollywood's trying to destroy itself I, it's a good question because like a lot of stuff beyond me they want to make yeah they want to make money they they disney drove all of their properties in, into the ground star wars is never going to recover marvel is never going to recover um i appreciate some of the stuff that was put out simply because it was entertaining mm-hmm. uh yeah it's just it's disappointing with the way things are now but i do have hope for the future that it's going to turn around but there's no we can do yeah there's no repeating what's already happened we need to figure out what's a better way to if not only recreate it like all we love all the retro 80s stuff right now like we're not bringing back the 80s but um especially with nostalgia trips so a lot of these remakes and stuff like it's appealing to a nostalgia like oh remember how great that was and um yeah, I think we need to shake the etch a sketch and just try to create new new things. You know, before I let you go on this, um, and, and we're talking about like the new things and the way things are going. You know, it would be nice to embrace something different. I think for way too long, at least across the entertainment or society, we've been just so stagnant. You know, it's been we have two political parties. We have to make a choice. Yeah, Entertainment wise, it's very cult-like. right. It does, and I really wish a lot of third parties were going to get some type of variety. But we we know that the, the two-headed machine is not going to allow uh, different views. And the same with entertainment. I mean, everything has either been a a remake or superhero movies for the last decade. Yeah, there are plenty of books being written out there by just regular people like us just decide I'm going to write a book because this is my passion and it gets published. People read it, love it. And they're getting good remarks. Why aren't those being made in the movies? It's like, you know, we need to enhance our arts. It just feels, God, it feels so stagnant. And when you look in the past, like look at architecture, architecture today is so damn boring. A hundred, you know, look at a building from 1880. Oh, they just, they just, Oh my God, it looks so beautiful. And then you get this shit thing next to it, you know, today. It's the same with art, entertainment. Everything today just feels so lacking. Well, I can explain that one. The fiat banking system, the central banks, I think in the past 100 plus years, have caused that degradation of culture and the quality in art. Because the money's not going where it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. The money's being made up. And um, yeah, generally, everybody has less money these days, even though the price is going up on everything. No, Joe said we all have more money now than we did two years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I don't know who those are, because everyone I know doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that's included. another thing. We're like, what you hear in the media versus you see outside when you step outside in reality right yeah there i hope 
so the veil is lifted every now and then so like the the veil of illusion where you can peek behind and see what's really going on i don't think we're going to see 100 percent of what's been going on but i think in over this next year we're going to see some interesting things happen um things called black swan events where it's like unpredicted i think um the war in ukraine was an unpredicted thing in a way because mm-hmm. putin was just acting on his own behalf and his and for the people of russia saying like we need to take our country back because these assholes installed all of their puppets in, in this country that used to be ours <laughs> sounds familiar doesn't it yeah it's almost like we we're living with the idea of america of what it was and what it should be but the one that we're living through now and living with has been hijacked and it's because of the the excessive um units of government especially in illinois we have the most units of government in the entire country less government means more power to the people that means here i go abolish the irs and the federal reserve um what state electoral colleges and what else it'd be nice to have everybody use their own money instead of millions of dollars of donations like we need there needs to be a cap on something at least yeah damn right there needs to be a salary cap on this stuff i mean then it would not you're not allowed to spend more than like two million right people spending 60 million 70 million that happened this past month like (laughs) where did all of it go well maybe it went to ukraine and then it went to ftx and then it came back home <laughs> it probably did this is the only logical stance when it comes to this stuff um because as a common common sense middleman none of this shit makes sense to me oh and um if we were to lift the embargo on hemp products i think that would also uh improve everybody's quality of life not for the psychoactive uh cannabinoids but for the uh, industrial strength of the hemp plant or the i think yeah the male version of the of cannabis plant yeah if, if we start using that in our textiles and industry i mean <laughs> there's like hemp concrete that's supposed to be like <laughs> almost indestructible <laughs> like if we start utilizing that and the quality of everything's going to go up we we become financially free without a central bank we uh limit the large arm of government and we go back to using what's already in nature Mm -hmm. and utilizing it like we've done like our ancestors have done in the past i mean somebody came up with having a farm and uh livestock and acres upon acres as far as you can see of um of crops like that's something that we brought here from 
from across the sea. Right. Yeah. And it's a nice blend of everything, too. Like that, That's another topic we can probably talk to on a, at a different time, but... Oh, yeah, we definitely got to do this again. <laughs> all, all of the food that was brought to the Americas and what we enjoy now and where it originated from, it's a mix of, a, of everything. It's great. And then we get to pick and choose what we want and like. And that's how I think the economy will get back on track, too, is bartering for goods that we need and not necessarily what we want, like buying electronics and whatnot. Yeah, they need a new iPhone every year, right? Yeah, that's a bit depressing. Yeah. well, I haven't had a single iPhone, but... uh, (laughs) No, I've had Androids, but... I have Android, yeah. Well, you know, look, man, next time I'm going to definitely have to get you back on. I mean, we can we can talk all day about all kinds of topics. You know that. Hey, I can go another two hours before I probably <laughs> tap out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need to branch this out so we can continue conversations in the future. Because, I mean, I, I know you have passion about history. There's things we can talk about with that in relation to how, you know, maybe there's messages in the past that can help us for the future. I mean, it, I, yeah. I'm definitely going to get you back on, man. I mean, this... This has been great in a, you know, for my new format. I, I appreciate you coming on as the first guest. Well, thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's awesome talking with you. So I'm, uh, I'm game for any time to uh, come back on. Just let me know. All right, man. Sounds good. We'll, uh, we'll get something scheduled again, you know, definitely by the end of the year so we can continue our uh, conversations about our current society. <laughs> Yeah, sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. All right. I appreciate it again. And everyone, go on Steve's channel, on his YouTube channel. Check out some of those videos. Man, it's an eye-opener. If you haven't seen what's going on in these parent meetings at school boards, it's a real wide open uh, eye-opener. I'm at a loss for words because I have kids in school myself. So check out his videos, man. They're good. Yeah, Steve, it, thanks again, man. Yeah, man, my pleasure. All right, take care. Take care.